1: Today is Saturday, January 18, 2020. On this day in 1967, Albert DeSalvo was sentenced to life in prison for armed robbery and the sexual assault of four women. DeSalvo is most notorious, however, for confessing to the brutal Boston Strangler murders. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the conviction and sentencing of Albert DeSalvo. Though DeSalvo is believed to be the perpetrator of the Boston Strangler slayings, he was never formally charged with the murders. Let's begin in a Cambridge courtroom on Wednesday, January 18th, 1967. The courtroom was a buzz. The jury was returning to deliver their verdict. A strong, cold breeze was blowing through the city that day. It rattled the windows of the building as the defendant, Albert DeSalvo, shuffled towards his seat. 35-year-old DeSalvo looked respectable in a dark suit and crisp white shirt, just as he had when he first entered the courtroom. Cameras had captured the site as he was escorted into the building on both days. It seemed that all of Boston was watching to find out the fate of the man who claimed to be the notorious Boston Strangler. Today, however, the verdict the jury was delivering had nothing to do with the Boston Strangler case. DeSalvo was facing separate charges of armed robbery and sexual assault. He'd been arrested three years earlier, in 1964, after a string of attacks on local women. He had broken in or talked his way into their homes, then proceeded to variously restrain, sexually assault, rape, and rob his victims. Luckily, one survivor came forward and was able to help identify her attacker. When police had arrested him under suspicion of rape, DeSalvo had confessed to being the elusive Boston Strangler. However, there wasn't sufficient physical evidence to charge him with the crimes. In addition to this, DeSalvo had a reputation as a braggart, so investigators were not confident in the veracity of his claims they chose to proceed with charges they were sure they could make stick. The trial lasted seven days. In an attempt to return a favorable verdict, DeSalvo's attorney, F. Lee Bailey, had adopted a curious strategy. He wanted to convince the jury that his client was guilty of the crimes of the Boston Strangler, instead of innocent of the crimes with which he had been charged. Bailey believed that by proving his client guilty of the Boston Strangler slayings, he could show that he was insane. The lawyer hoped this would ensure DeSalvo was sent to a psychiatric facility instead of a federal prison. There was little hope of proving DeSalvo innocent, so the best Bailey could do was get his client a less stringent sentence. The question was, had he succeeded? The courtroom was instructed to rise for the reading of the verdict. Everyone waited, the seconds stretching into a quiet eternity as the foreperson unfolded the piece of paper. At the end of a collectively held breath, DeSalvo was pronounced guilty, and a sigh of relief rippled across the courtroom. Convinced of DeSalvo's guilt as the Boston Strangler, The people who had squeezed into the gallery were anxious to see him put away. The sentence was handed down soon after, life imprisonment. DeSalvo watched as the jury was thanked for their service and dismissed, free to return to their everyday lives. Moments later, he himself was led away in handcuffs. Since 1965, DeSalvo had been held at Bridgewater State Hospital and it was there he would return. Soon after the trial, DeSalvo's lawyer announced, Massachusetts has burned another witch. A confusing metaphor, given that his client had undoubtedly committed many heinous crimes, unlike the victims of the Salem witch trials. It wouldn't be long, however, before the confessed Boston Strangler was back on the streets. Up next, we'll take a look at the crimes attributed to the Boston Strangler and DeSalvo's life and death behind bars.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details.
1: Now back to the story. On January 18th, 1967, Albert DeSalvo was sentenced to life imprisonment for crimes including sexual assault and armed robbery. While he was awaiting trial, however, DeSalvo had also confessed to being the Boston Strangler. Prior to DeSalvo's arrest in 1964, Boston had been in a panic. For two years, women had been found strangled to death in their own homes. In all, 13 women were killed by the Boston Strangler. The bodies were found between June of 1962 and January of 1964, and the victims ranged in age from 19 to 85. None of the crime scenes showed signs of forced entry, leading investigators to believe the culprit had talked his victims into allowing him access to their homes. The strangler always left his victims with a pair of stockings or similar piece of fabric tied around their neck in a macabre, trademark, bow. Most victims were violently sexually assaulted or raped and died by manual strangulation. Once the police realized they had a serial killer on their hands, all officer leave was canceled to ensure the entire police force was available at all times. Boston's women were reminded to lock their doors and to be wary of strangers. But despite these measures, the culprit was adept at evading capture. He was also determined to continue killing. For some 18 months, the bodies continued to pile up, and Bostonians were becoming more and more afraid for their safety. At the height of the panic, some women took to carrying around tear gas bombs as a means of protection. In October of 1964, nine months after the last known Boston Strangler murder, a Cambridge woman reported an attack to local police. A man had forced his way into her home, tied her down and sexually assaulted her at knife point. The attacker then loosened the woman's bonds before making a hasty exit. The woman's detailed account and description of her attacker led police to arrest Albert DeSalvo whom they knew from less violent, but still sexually motivated attacks in the past. After his arrest, it was discovered that DeSalvo was also responsible for a series of rapes in Boston. In those cases, the culprit had been dubbed the Green Man for the color of his trousers. The police were elated at having pulled one more violent predator off their streets but they had no idea that they had more than one reason to celebrate. Shortly after he was sent to Bridgewater State Hospital to await trial, DeSalvo confessed to being the Boston Strangler. In conversations with fellow inmates, a psychiatrist, and even under hypnosis, he was able to offer details of the crimes and victims. Many of these startling details had never been made public. But despite his detailed confessions to all 13 murders, DeSalvo was never charged for any of them. A lack of physical evidence, and what seems to have been skepticism that he was the real culprit, held prosecutors back from ever pursuing the case. Some claimed that he had gleaned information on the murders from fellow inmates and wanted to take credit in the hopes of signing a book deal. In the end, however, his confession was inconsequential. DeSalvo was sentenced to life in prison for his other charges. A month after he was sentenced, DeSalvo and two fellow inmates escaped from Bridgewater State Hospital, but he was on the run for a mere 24 hours before being recaptured. Following the escape, DeSalvo was transferred to Walpole State Prison, where he remained for the rest of his life, which ended on November 27, 1973, when DeSalvo was found stabbed to death in his bed in the prison's hospital ward. He was 42 years old. It was suspected that his murder was motivated by a prison drug trade dispute, though there were no convictions in relation to DeSalvo's death. For years, many still doubted DeSalvo's identity as the Boston Strangler. Recently, though, at least one of the crimes seems to have found an answer. In 2013, DeSalvo's DNA was tested against evidence found on Mary Sullivan's body. Sullivan was the final Boston Strangler victim, and her murder was one of the few at which investigators found semen. The DNA was a match indicating that DeSalvo had sexually assaulted Sullivan before she died, and implicating him in her death. The Boston Strangler case remains officially open to this day, and it's unlikely we'll ever have a definitive answer for who was responsible for those 13 horrific crimes. But in the minds of many, the blame rests squarely with Albert DeSalvo. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on Albert DeSalvo and the crimes of the Boston Strangler, check out our episodes of Serial Killers, which go into more detail about the killer who terrorized a city. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, But now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand-new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joel Callen, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.